Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of CrossCast. I'm your host, Chad Barlow. CrossCast is a conversational style podcast where we talk about how to be disciples and make disciples of Jesus Christ for the glory of God and the joy of his people. Amen. We are in the Crossway DNA series, and today we're talking about salvation, and our guest is Pastor Aaron from our church, the Crossing Church in Fort Collins. Forgot to say, if you want to know more about the Crossing Church, go to thecrossingfc.org. If you want to know more about the awesome network that we're in, Crossway Network, you can go to crosswaynetwork.org. Boom. Aaron, thanks for being on, man. How you doing? I'm good. Well... I'm a little tired. Yeah. I'm a little tired. Like, I, I think I just asked you what day it is today. Yeah. It's Friday, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Friday. Long week. It's been a long week. It's a, It's been a good week, but a long week. Uh, You know, it is Friday. And so, um, you know, I preach on Sunday, and then we have a man school on Tuesday night and get to preach there and, and, and lead the guys and in a little Devo. And I had a great testimony from Jason Lynn. And yeah. then, and then um, we're doing a podcast now. And so um, it's a lot of talking. It's a lot of thinking. It's a lot of prepping. <laughs> And, yep. uh, man, I'm tired, yeah. but I got some coffee in my, uh, black rifle coffee, um, tumbler. Is that what this thing is called? Yeah, the tumbler. So. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, sucking it down. We're talking about the gospel. Yeah. Talking about salvation. salvation. And if you can't get jazzed and pumped about that, then I might as well just, uh, take these headphones off, I, I, shut the mic off and go home. I agree. Thanks for putting your game face on for man, us let's and, roll. and for the ways you serve the church. <laughs> oh, it's a um, joy. Quick shout out to to Man School though. It was yep. a great night. Jason did a great job encouraging Phenomenal. testimony. Your yes. Devo was good. That is going to be online at some point, and we're yep. going to put it on the Man School Musings podcast if you yep. missed it. And just encouragement to the guys who listen to this: uh, if you didn't make the Man School, no condemnation, nope. but try to make the next one because yep. they're really great. It's a good yep. time of fellowship and sharpening each other and just being encouraged. Yep. So fourth Tuesday of every month oh, there is we go. the large group, and yeah. so. Uh, yeah, and the one thing about Jason and his testimony, we're going to do that at every man school is we want to have a testimony from all the guys because of exactly what we're talking about. It's about salvation. And Jesus works. Jesus saves. And he saves all kinds of people, all kinds of men from many different walks, many different backgrounds. And the gospel doesn't change. Amen. The gospel message uh, is once for all delivered to the saints and for those who repent of their sin and, and believe and trust and put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, life, death, and resurrection, they're saved, and everyone's got a testimony. And yeah. so that's what I'm, I, personally, when we do man school, that's what I'm going to be most pumped about, is seeing how the Lord um, saves, how he, how he breathes life into dead men, how they've crossed over from death to life through the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. I love Boom. hearing testimonies. They're so encouraging. I love it. Let's yeah. keep it up. Yeah. Cool. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking, we're talking, about, talking salvation. about salvation, you know, and um, and uh, through our DNA, what we believe at the crossing uh, in general, kind of what guides us as a as a church, and our convictions about uh, the gospel and what um, we believe that Scripture tells us about the gospel and salvation yeah. in particular. Yeah, amen. In all of its different facets. Now, obviously, the the salvation is a massive topic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could stand now through the rest of eternity every episode could <laughs> be about yeah, totally. salvation yeah and breaking it down and i think you you uh reminded me of a, a great truth about salvation and, and and just that fact that it's that it's say what you're saying with the child again uh, simple enough S- for a child to understand Boom. but deep enough for an adult to swim around in forever, forever. and still Amen. not fully understand that's right that's right yeah and so uh that's why we get excited about the gospel yeah. because we can never We'll never reach the depths of its goodness in our heart. We can always learn more about it. We can always experience more about it and grow in that depth and knowledge and understanding of our salvation and the goodness yeah. of God in that. So, Amen. get you fired up. Yeah. So I don't I'm, need I'm I don't pumped. need coffee to so, get me fired up about we, the gospel, but it does we, help. Yeah, totally. Well, you know. So here we go. Here so we go. before we dive into like kind yeah. of the meat of the conversation, our theological conviction that salvation is all of God. Right. Um, why don't you give us, you know, the quick definition that's at the top of the, our crossway DNA worksheet. Yeah. And then, and then nuance it a little bit more, uh, um, yeah. you know, give us a, a decent definite, a good definition of salvation. Sure. Cool. Yeah. Sounds good. So, uh, yeah, in our kind of crossway, uh, DNA, uh, workbook, it says this salvation, God, the author from start to finish, 
Salvation is a work of God from beginning to end and can be received only by His grace. Grace is unearned and undeserved favor through faith. We are saved and sustained unto eternal life through believing and receiving Jesus' life, death, and resurrection in our place. God's lavish love towards us, despite the reality of our sin and disobedience, makes this the greatest joy in all of life. Amen. I mean, yeah, amen. It makes this the greatest joy of all life that we've crossed over from death to life. That we are, that we are on a road to destruction, and by God's grace, His mercy, His love that He set upon us, He picked us up off of that path and He placed us on the path of life mm-hmm. and joy, and everlasting freedom. Mm-hmm. And to be a relationship with him. I think we talk about salvation. It's like, well, what salvation, what do we need to be saved from? Well, we need to be saved from our sin. Mm-hmm. And so we're saved from sin. We're saved from our flesh. We're saved from our taskmaster, the devil, who we're uh, a slave to yep. apart from Christ. Yep. And we're saved to God mm-hmm. and to his goodness, his mercy, and his grace. But we're also saved from God's righteous justice mm-hmm. that he pours out on sin. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and we know the wages of sin is death. Mm-hmm. And and so the gospel and salvation also saves us from the wrath of God yeah. and puts us and takes us from an enemy of God. And then again, the gospel, salvation, he saves us, and now we're known as a child of God. Which really, even that is kind of be has become more unpopular in America, it seems like. I'm always talking about America because that's my context, but the wrath of God, you know, and there right. were people who wanted to change the lyrics to in Christ alone from the wrath of God was satisfied to the right. love of God was satisfied. Right. But just, we're not going there today, but I'm just yep. jumping on that and piggybacking off of it. Like we're genuinely saved from the wrath of God. Yeah, Ephesians because, says we're children of wrath right. apart from Christ. Because here's the, here's, I mean, you, you got to understand the bad news before you get the good news. Amen. Yeah. The, the good news isn't good news until you understand the bad news. And yep. when you understand that in our sin, because of Adam and Eve, it's transferred to every human being, original sin. We've all sinned. There's not anything good about anyone who's ever born since Adam and Eve. Um, apart from Christ, you know, um, we're sinners. We're rebellious. We're, we're dead. We're enemies. We're children of, you know, wrath. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, once we understand that and receive and accept that as what Scripture says clearly— then we understand the good news and, the, and we love the grace of God and the gospel and salvation all the more because we understand what we're saved from and mm-hmm. what we're saved to. So um, you got to have both. The, 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 the justice and wrath of God is a massive theme throughout Scripture. If you take that out, you might as well throw the rest of the Bible yeah. out because this story, is a, this story is a story of redemption. Yeah. And again, we're redeemed from something. We're saved from something. We're delivered from something. And ultimately, that is our sin. Yeah. So... Yep. You need, so you will need you um, nuance a few of these Christianese words we use sometimes? Because uh, this paragraph you read was a good was a good definition. I'm not ragging on it or hating on it, but yep. um, within our salvation, sometimes as Christians, we'll talk about these words like, well, part of our salvation is justification, and then part of it is sanctification, and then part of it is glorification. And then there's there's a verse I didn't look up before, but it's like we've been saved, we're being saved, and we're going to be saved, which kind of right brings to mind those three terms. So will you just give a quick definition of those? Yeah, or I could test you because you went through PLI and I could ask you about the 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 order of salvation and all those things. But let's not go there real quick. Okay. (laughs) The uh, order salutis, you know, if I think you remember, I think there's 10 of them. I don't know if you remember them all, but man, we'll put you on the spot. I'll give you you some grace right now. You can look it up on your computer. You can dial in (laughs) while I talk. Let me just, um, what salvation, so we talked about what we're saved from. The question is, well, how do we receive it? So let's just talk about that real quick. Let me say, how does someone receive salvation? We we kind of read it here. Um, In a nutshell, um, every Christian is saved by the grace of God, right? By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Yep. So we're saved by grace of God, uh, grace alone. That's the, the unmerited favor. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. This is a gift from God. Um, so he extends that grace, and then we hear the gospel, and we repent of our sins and trust in what Christ has accomplished for us by faith. So we respond by faith. Mm-hmm. And it's all revolving around again Christ's life, death, and resurrection. Mm-hmm. It's it's it, that that God uh, saw our plight. We needed a Savior, and so He sent Jesus to become man, to become flesh. God became flesh, and dwelt among us, as John says. 
So Jesus was born. He lived the perfect life in our place. That was his active obedience. He fulfilled all the the commands of God perfectly for us. And then he died on the cross. That was his passive obedience where the wrath of God, the justice of God was poured out on him as our substitute that we should have been up there making that payment because we're the ones that sinned. Jesus didn't sin. But he substituted his life for us um, on the cross, and and he took on the wrath and justice of God. He, He died. He rose again. Uh, to show that he was the the true savior of the world. He was the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so um, a person becomes a Christian by repenting of their sin and believing in Christ's life, death, and resurrection alone for their salvation. Yeah. And so it's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And uh, there's a great verse in in Hebrews that I just want to read. I guess we could... Uh, un- unpack it a little bit, but I think it just kind of sums up why Jesus had to come uh, as a man and just kind of sums up the gospel. It's one of my favorite ones, and it's in Hebrews chapter 2, and this is what it says um, in verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same thing, that though death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those whom through fear and death were subject to a lifelong of slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might be Come, a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of his people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those that are being tempted. And it's just a beautiful picture of why Jesus had to come. Mm-hmm. Humanity is the one that sinned, not angels. That's why angels couldn't be our substitute on the cross, because angels didn't sin. Mm-hmm. The person that sinned was humanity. So Jesus had to become man. He had to walk in our place, fulfill these things. Um, die on the cross. He made payment. He made the propitiation for our sin. He appeased the wrath of God for us, and now He lives to intercede with us as our High Priest. And so, mm-hmm. it's just a cool little, a cool little scripture that that we could spend a whole podcast diving yeah. into. But, yeah. but that's the gospel. So we receive the gospel. We receive salvation by repenting of our sin, trusting yeah. in faith, and that's the of how. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Boom. And man, if there's any listeners who have stumbled upon this podcast who aren't Christians. You can do that right now. You don't have to, to walk forward in a church. You don't have to do anything but repent of your sins and believe in what Jesus has done for you, just yep. like Aaron said, and you will be saved. You can yep. stand on the promises of God. Yeah, the, the, you know, kind of the overarching verse or verse that everyone would know would be John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So a Christian gains, again, salvation through believing in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now, with that, you think, well, why doesn't every church believe the same thing? Why are all these other different denominations? Why are these little things? And that's where, you know, you can kind of pull back uh, the curtain, so to speak, on there's different um, views on how that comes about. Yes, that's where the debate And that's where the debate is. But be very, very clear, every Christian believes in the gospel of Jesus Christ that we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Yes. Period. Now, how that all comes together, that's where the debate is, and I'll let you kind (laughs) of... Let's open up the bag of worms and get right into it. Here we go. (laughs) All right. Well, um, we believe, Pastor Aaron, that um, how that happens, well... Um, the theological word is monergistic. Oh, jeez. Monergism. Get after it. Um. Okay, I'm going all out. I'm, I'm getting out of the blocks hard. Getting out of the Do blocks Do I need to hard. pump the brakes a little bit? We believe God, like the, yep. the title of the Crossway DNA worksheet is God is the author of yep. salvation from beginning to end. So, yeah. Um, yeah, monergism, synergism are, are two words that get thrown out in this debate. Monergism means one working. Synergism means many working. And again, I think we look at back at the kind of the summary is salvation is a work of God from beginning to end, um, and I think that's the the main the main thrust of that. And we see and we say yes and amen, yes yeah. and amen. And there's a there's a number of, of reasons why. One because that's what Scripture declares. I think you think of uh, Titus three five. He saved us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't say and we saved ourselves. You no, know, it said he 
God saved us. It's, the, the word is, it's, it's something that's happening to us. He saved us. We're passive in it. He is the one that rescued us. Um, you think of uh, uh, the great chain of salvation in Romans chapter 8. I love this. In uh, Romans chapter 8, mm-hmm. this is what it says. It says uh, in verse 29, And we know that for those who love God, all things, that's verse 20, 28, uh, we know that all things uh, work together for good for those who love God and are according, called according to His purpose. Verse 29 says, For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become formed the image of His Son, in order that He might become the first of many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called, and those whom He called, He also justified, and those whom He justified, He also Glorified, and what you see there again is is all those verbs: foreknown, predestined, uh, called, justified, glorify. Those are all links in a chain that that build or connected to one another. And the author and the active voice in that that's that's doing the acting is God Himself, mm-hmm. and we are receiving it. Mm-hmm. We are receiving it. And so um, when we talk about salvation. Uh, it also says in Philippians that he who began a good work in you will complete it. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about salvation, um, because of man's sinful state, there is no way um, under heaven that we could save ourselves. There had to be, God had to come in and he had to, um, he had to save us. Yeah. He had to save us. And that's where you can get into the order of salvation and all those different theological terms that we can talk about. But yeah, salvation begins and ends with God. And within that, there's mystery, um, which we might we might dive into a little bit. Yeah. Because well, there's, there's a number of different thoughts and topics that we can go off on. Man, but. yeah. This, I mean, this could be a really long episode. We're going to try to keep it not super long. And maybe we'll even do a good job of keeping it succinct, but still clear. Um, but... We're not going to be exhaustive here, listeners, just so you know. Uh, one illustration I've heard, Aaron, about this theological distinction that we have is is we believe the gospel is uh, an illustration is that we were dead. We were drowned at right. the bottom of an ocean, yep. and God reached his hand down and s- miraculously saved us because we were truly dead. We weren't just like about to drown. We were totally <laughs> right. dead, at, sunken at the bottom. Yep. And the other side of the debate, and this isn't meant to be a caricature, it's just the way I understand it, yeah. is you are drowning. You haven't drowned yet. You're, you're barely keeping your head above water, and God throws you the life vest or the little floaty, and, and you've got to Swim choose what, you know, if you're going to take it or not. Right, right. So, so for the, you know, the young Christian um, listener, what we're really getting at here, uh, it's, and we've been explicit, though, is for thousands of years or whatever, however long, long this debate has been going on, we believe that in the debate of does is God sovereign in salvation or is man, we're saying God is sovereign in right. salvation completely. It's all an act of his grace. Yep. Yep. He doesn't do 99% and then you have to do that one last little percent. Yep. He, he, he does it all. Correct. Yeah, it's good. I think when you think about that... Um, in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin. And when it says you were dead, you're talking about spiritual death. It means you're dead, dead. There, there's no, like, I'm partly dead or almost dead. No, you're dead, dead. I used to watch this show back in the day, uh, CSI, you know, and, and uh, usually the episodes, like, someone would die, you mm-hmm. know, get murdered. Then they would be in, uh, you know, the, the the morgue or the hospital or wherever they do the autopsy. I don't know where that place would they call that in the... And there's that dead person just laying there who's dead. And they're like, hey, what happened? And you never see them turn to the dead guy and say, like, hey, what happened to you? Right? It never is. Why? Because they're dead dead. dead, dead. And that's who we are spiritually. When, when Adam and Eve sinned, um, death came in. And, and, it, and it was the, the word total, total depravity is the word, or total inability, mm-hmm. uh, original sin. And so, um, so, yeah, we were dead. And we needed to be resuscitated. We need to be have life breathed into us, and that uh, first and foremost and only happens through uh, what we call regeneration mm-hmm. uh, by the Holy Spirit on behalf of the Lord. Yep, we must be born again. Yeah, I was just going to go there too. Yeah, yep. being we're, we're born again from above. Yep. That seems like a very purposeful illustration from a perfect communicator, mm-hmm. namely God, and mm-hmm. 
what did you what part did you play in your physical human birth Aaron yep did you choose to be born as a baby uh no no did you be choose did you choose to be born as a spiritual child of God right no. But what about this notion then? Okay, so that then then like what about this notion of free will or or, right. or our responsibility? Because some people would maybe caricature us and say, well, then we're just robots, and and we're like, no, we believe we have responsibility. So can you talk about that? Uh, we do, and we are responsible, and uh, that's that's part of God's justice. He does hold us responsible for our sin. Um, yeah, there's there, there's many things. Uh, free will. I think again, this is where you have to. Here's where in this whole debate, the one thing that really helped me walk through sovereignty of God and salvation, it's a work from beginning to end with him is that we have to begin with God and work our way down. And we don't begin with man and work our way up. And I think once we do that, because we have to think in our, on ourselves just with our own sin, that there's a propensity to make us look good. You know, like when we say we're dead, we're like, or we're bad, or we're totally depraved, we're like, well, maybe not that bad, mm-hmm. or maybe not that dead. There's, so there's a heavy propensity, in apart from Christ, that I'm going to lie to myself to make me feel better. And I think that's where we got to begin with God and look at His Word and say, hey, this is what God says our state is. Mm-hmm. And, then we, and then we go from there. And when He says we're dead, when He says we're you know, uh, enemies of Him, when He says we're children of wrath, all these things... We are, and 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 so we think about um, when we talk about free will, and we talk about will, and there's a whole 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 thing that we can get into there. But we just sum it up like this: um, man will always choose according to his nature, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And so you have this this argument in in Romans chapter eight the flesh and the spirit. You have it in Galatians chapter 5, the, the war between the flesh and the spirit. Um, and let me, just let, the, let me just let the word, let me just let the word speak in, um, in Romans chapter 8, and yes. then we can kind of walk through that. Um, I'll turn to that right now in Romans chapter 8. I should have brought my glasses. So you want me to read? read? I could read it. Let me see here. <laughs> um, yeah, start in uh, Romans 8 and um, verse 9. Go ahead. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Yep. And actually, we need to start up a little bit bit higher than that. Verse 6. Look at verse uh, verse 6 of Romans 8. Yeah, okay. 6 says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Right, and then it goes on to say, yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing. So so, like, we will always choose according to our nature. So what that says is um, our nature is not neutral. Humanity is not neutral. We know that that humanity has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. So that, since Adam and Eve, that's been our state. That's our nature. We're, we're, we're sinners. The reason why we sin is because we're sinners. <laughs> that's that's our nature. We we act according to our nature. And here is Paul is making an argument. He's saying, like, if your nature is sin, if your nature is the flesh, then you have an inability um, to please God. You can't please God. You can't choose God. There's an inability there because you will always choose according to your nature. Early on in Romans, it says that no one seeks after God. No one is righteous. Mm. No, not, not, not one. So in our nature, apart from the grace of God working in our hearts, we will not seek God. Uh, we cannot seek God. We have no desire to seek God. And there, in fact, every time the gospel is presented to us in this new life and forgiveness of sin and a total joy, that doesn't resonate, and we'll reject that every time because our nature, our flesh, has an inability to believe that. Yeah, that's huge. It's it's not just an unwillingness. It is an unwillingness, but Correct. it's not just an unwillingness. Right. It's a total inability. Because yeah. it says right there in God's Word, it cannot. We cannot submit to God's law apart Correct. from the Spirit. Correct. 
it's an inability and it's the reason why we resist is because of our our nature our heart and that's where you go all the way back in the jeremiah and other places where it talks about you know can a leopard change his spots can an ethiopian change his skin color you know oh yeah you know and so you you go back to that and it's like no uh, a a hippopotamus will always act like a hippopotamus because that's what it is it's a hippopotamus it's nature. He, he he's not going to be like a hippo's not going to be like hey man i really I really want to go from, you know, the, the jungles and the water and all that to the desert. And I want to go sunbathe in the desert, right? No, the, he always wants to be around water. He wants to be around, he doesn't want to go live in a jungle because he's a, a hippo. And hippos don't <laughs> live in the desert. They live in a, you know, a jungle area with yeah. lots of water and stuff. Um, and so, um, so, yeah, that's why God has to intervene. We believe that God has to intervene because apart from God's grace, we will always choose according to our nature. And so when you talk about free will, even there's been, you know, a lot of greater minds, obviously bigger and better and just greater thinkers than me and, and us on this podcast. Um, but I would I would just, you know, think of and I would read guys like um, Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards was was considered by many Americans, both secular and, you know, uh, sacred as the greatest thinker that America has ever produced. And he wrote a book called The Freedom of the Will. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be a book and a resource that you want to uh, read around this topic of of salvation. Uh, Bondage of the Will by Martin Luther. Another guy would be R.C. Sproul who does a phenomenal job in these in these categories. Mm-hmm. And um, again, one of the things that, that, that helped me out understand, like, I will always choose according to my nature and why the grace of God had to come in and regenerate my heart and give me a new heart and a new flesh that talks about that in Ezekiel um, 36 and in Jeremiah about the new covenant. This is what's going to take place, that God's grace was going to come in and regenerate my heart. When, when God's grace comes in and regenerates my heart, takes that heart of stone and gives me a heart of flesh, now I have the ability to choose God freely because now I see clearly my new, my nature that has been changed now has the ability to receive the things of God. And this is, this is, um, a part of what's, what, what helped me understand that when it talks about free will, cause we, we, we do, we're not robots. God has wired us and created us with a mind. He's created us with thoughts. He's created us with reasoning. He's created us with a, a will and a determination. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, you know, do we uh, uh, do we have freedom of the will? No, we're we're not robots. We all have will. It's just what is uh, behind that. What is what is the baseline? What is what is causing us to make those decisions that we do? Well, that's our nature. Mm-hmm. And so far, our nature again is is apart from Christ is dark, is hard, is sinful. We will always choose that. When regenerated, we get the heart of flesh. We have the mind of Christ, and then we can make um, decisions upon that. But so when we talk about free will, John Gershner kind of summed this up on me. I think Edwards talks about this. This is where I got it. But no one's free. No one's totally free. No one has an, uh, um, uh, what's the word? I mean, I think I wrote it down, what they talk. No one has this spontaneous freedom. Mm-hmm. In other words, that every decision we make, we always make a decision on on certain variables kind of help uh, uh not helping us, um, informing our decisions mm-hmm. on what we're going to choose to do. Um, Jonathan Edwards called it, let me I have it written down here. He called it, um, uh, the strongest desire that, that our choices will correspond with the strongest desire of our hearts. Mm-hmm. And so for instance, I'm wearing jeans and this kind of I don't know, greenish blue long sleeve shirt today. So when I woke up this morning, I went to my closet and I was free to choose any, any clothes to wear, any shirts to wear, any pants to wear in my closet. But all of a sudden I started thinking like, wow, it's 25 degrees outside. So I'm probably not going to wear shorts. So that, that I'm probably going to wear pants. And then I looked, it's like, yeah, I'm probably not going to wear a short sleeve shirt. I'm probably going to wear something that's going to be a little bit more comfy. And Fridays, I'm usually in my study a lot reading. So I want—I just want to be in something that's comfortable. Mm-hmm. So I want more something like a, more of like a sweatshirt or something that's just going to kind of, you know, just be a little bit more baggy on me. And so that that kind of cuts down. I don't want to wear a polo, mm-hmm. you know. So that kind of cuts down on my on my choice what I'm going to wear. And all of a sudden, it's like, well, 
oh, that, my favorite thing that I usually wear is dirty. So that's not even on hanging on the hanger. It's in the laundry. Mm. So that, that affects my choice. You know, it's like, yep. and so I come out with this choice of like, okay, I'm going to wear what I'm wearing today. Now I was free to choose whatever I wanted to wear, but I was only going to choose this because of all the different variables that were going through my mind. Mm -hmm. And I thought, Hey, this is what, this is what my strongest desire are is to wear this outfit. And that's why I chose to wear this outfit. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. You're tracking a little yeah, bit. It does. And I'm, a, I'm, a, I even was thinking too, like you're even limited by the things you own in your closet. You're not like correct free to wear a pink long sleeve polo. If you don't own one, correct. You're so you're also limited there. Yep. So, so, so we will always choose to what we think will be the best outcome for us. And so again, if our heart is hard, then we will always choose to run away from the Lord. And if our heart is soft and, and has been regenerated and given us the heart of flesh, then we can choose the thing of God because we see that as the most valuable thing to us. Yeah. So uh, devil's advocate here. Yep. You, you, we can just um, broach it in another podcast if you want, address it later. But uh, on the other side of the argument there is like, okay, yes, I, you know, an Arminian would agree. We don't need to define that. Just someone who doesn't yep. believe that God is sovereign in salvation, that man is the ultimate determining factor. What about this idea of prevenient grace where like God will draw right. and give a little grace, but then um, you can choose whether or not to receive him or disbelieve in him what would you say to that yeah i think um so um again we're categorizing so you you know you said armenian and then um you talked about prevenient grace and so obviously there's a, there's a there's three kind of categories that people usually look through these grids one is calvinism then you have arminianism and then you have one that's pelagianism and pelagius uh, pelagianism is just straight heresy yeah because they don't believe in um you know original sin they believe man's heart is is born neutral, et cetera. So that one yeah. is not even in the same camp of Calvinism and Arminianism. Yeah, we're not even going to go there. We're not going to go there. Calvinism and Arminianism are 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 again two kind of systems and on, on how they view how does salvation work itself out. Mm. Um, and both are saved. Yeah, both both are going to be in heaven. Yeah. Um, I grew up in a church. One, uh, well, I grew up in a church. I grew up in a in a reformed church, but I went away to college and went to a Calvary chapel. By and large, Calvary chapels are Armenian churches. Mm -hmm. They love Jesus. They love the Bible. They love the gospel. And I will uh, line up and lock arms with those guys all day long to fight the good fight of faith. Mm -hmm. Great guys. Yeah. And so we differ, though, on, on salvation. They believe in sovereignty. They believe in God's sovereignty. They just have a little different twist on it. Yep. Um, they, they, they talk about, um, they believe in total depravity. They mm -hmm. believe in sin. Yep. Um, and then they said, you know, they you talked about prevenient grace where they believe that God through his Holy Spirit gives the, uh, the, the sinner the ability to choose freely. Mm -hmm. Where we would say in the reform camp that um, no God comes in, we're totally depraved, and God comes in and just regenerates our, our heart on his account. And it's an irresistible it's grace an irresistible that you're, you're going to say, oh my gosh, yep. I'm a sinner and God's holy and I want Jesus Christ. Yeah. He caused us to be born again. Yeah. Second Peter, first Peter, first Peter. Yeah. yeah chapter, chapter one, verse three. Um, yeah. yeah. He causes. So those are the little nuances and differences. And I might've butchered that a little bit, but we can, we can get into that a little bit more. Um, but what was the original question? Perve uh, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. just asking how you'd answer like yeah. someone who said, well, we would you know, we, we'd probably disagree and say, like, well, I think Scripture says clearly that there is there's nothing in there about provenient grace. It's you're a sinner, and then God causes you to be born again by His grace. He comes in, He takes your heart of stone. He, if you look at Ezekiel, I think it's thirty six um, uh, when he talks about the new covenant. Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty it's pretty where he says, "I'm going to take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh." Right. Yeah. I think the 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 phrase "I will." In those two verses, is like eight, eight, yes, eight or nine times. Like, I will, I will, I will, I will. Um, and then again, Jeremiah thirty-one. Yep, you know, instead yep, of writing the law on the on the tablets of stone, I'm going to write my law on your hearts. Yep, yep. And again, not you know, and you got to keep kind of going back to the order of salvation. You get into the argument of foreknowledge, like we we mm -hmm. mentioned. You know, that's part of it. You know, the Armenian would say like. Um, that God would look down the quarters of time, see what you would choose, and then he elects you accordingly. Well, we would argue in the Bible that that's, that you can't find that in the Bible on the definition of foreknowledge. That's not the definition of foreknowledge in the Bible. Yeah. The definition of foreknowledge in the Bible talks about a relationship, not an action. Mm -hmm. 
Abraham foreknew, you know, knew his wife. Yeah. There's a relationship there. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's to be the definition of foreknowledge is that, that there's a relationship between God the Father and us. Um, and so there's all these little nuances within their definitions. And we would, we would, we would gracefully disagree with an Arminian and a Calvin, Calvinist on, on just how this all works out mm-hmm. in salvation. Um, but again, we can have robust debates, but we still lock arms and walk out of the room you know, fighting the good fight of faith together. Okay. So, um, kind of back to the beginning here, let, let's define some terms because we're starting to use some terms here that maybe not everyone, um, understands and knows. So we're, and back to like justification, um, regeneration, we've used that word. So yeah. Order of salvation. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you get into talks like this, you almost got to spend the first hour just defining, (laughs) defining your terms. So we're all on the same page. And so, yeah, when we talk about the order of salvation, I think Wayne Grudem does a great job and it's not unique to him, but just in, in our reform camp and kind of how we would view salvation, it would start with, you know, election predestination. Mm -hmm. Then it goes to a gospel call. There's someone that proclaims the gospel verbally. We hear the, hear the gospel. And then in our response, God regenerates our heart along with the gospel call. And then there is um, conversion. There's faith and there's repentance. You know, we hear the gospel call. God changes our hearts. So all of a sudden now we have the ability to respond. We do respond and we see our, uh, uh, a need for a Savior because of our sin. Mm-hmm. And so we repent of our sin and we see that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by, by him. So we believe in him by faith, and at the same time, God justifies us, which is a cool Mm, term, declares us righteous. That's a one-time act. That's a declaration from God the Father, from the throne room of heaven. Uh, and also at that point, he adopts us. We we go from enemies now to children. Mm, I would have forgot that yep. one if you tested me on that. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, First John three one. See how great love Father has love for us that we are called children of God, and so, so we, we are. are. Mm-hmm. So the adoption, and then all of a sudden, now that and all and and, and that apart from our faith and, and repentance is is God working. This is all God just. He's Doing blessing us. Things. This is just his gift of grace, yeah. his election, uh, his regeneration, his justification, his adoption. And then we start what's called sanctification. And that's the process of becoming more like Christ on a daily. It's maturing. Mm-hmm. We go from an infant to uh, a mature individual in Christ. And that's a, a long process with a lot of uh, you know ups, ups and, and downs, downs for sure. yeah. peaks and valleys. And that's God working in us through his spirit, through his word, but it's also our will and our determination working as well. As mm-hmm. Philippians says that it's got, you know, Philippians chapter. Work out your own salvation, salvation with fear, fear and trembling, trembling for it's God to work in you. Both to will and to work for his, his good, good pleasure. pleasure. Yep, so it's a both and. Yeah. And so you see that synergistic in, in, in um, to working in, in sanctification. And then there's a perseverance, the perseverance of the saints. If you're saved, we believe that, you know, once you're saved, truly saved, you'll persevere to the end. Yeah. Um, God won't fumble you. He won't fumble you. Yep. Everyone, as we go back to, we think about the, the Romans eight golden chain of salvation. Again, those are links together. Yeah. Some people like to talk them as pearls, but those pearls are individuals and they're linked together. But we say that they're linked together. So if God foreknew you, you will receive glorification. glorification. There are no dropouts as one used to say, <laughs> right? You, re, you, you go through the, the process. So you persevere to the end, you'll die, and then comes glorification. Mm. So that's kind of the order of salvation um, and how we would see it come to pass. And, you know, regeneration is one we talked about a lot. Again, the, the gospel was proclaimed, and we talked about a hard heart and a soft heart. We talked about Ezekiel 36, and really this is the heartbeat of the new covenant in, in Jeremiah 31. That's what we see in the New Testament come to pass is where God regenerates our heart. That's what we talk about being born again. You must be yeah. born again. Nicodemus, you must be born again. Mm-hmm. That's that regeneration. First Peter chapter three, he saved us. Um, uh, Titus talks about that in Titus chapter three of regeneration. He, he takes our hard dead heart and he gives us a heart of flesh and a heart of life mm-hmm. that we yeah. can respond. So that's regeneration. That's a, that's a, that's a work of God in us. Which we believe happens before faith, which again, is, I'm going back to just helping Correct. people understand the distinctives where we would disagree with other people and still love them and, and acknowledge yes. that we believe they're saved, but we believe regeneration happens and then you put your faith in yes. Jesus Christ and repent, whereas they would believe you Get put your faith 
in Jesus and then God causes you to right. be. And again, the reason why we would believe that is because your will, your choice will always be determined on your nature. Mm-hmm. And if, again, you have a hard heart, you'll always choose to reject him until mm-hmm. God regenerates your heart, gives you the heart of flesh, and then you can respond yeah. possibly to him in faith and repentance. And then um, I love justification. Justification is that declaration. Again, it's a one-time um, act, a declaration from God the Father. This is where we can change a little bit from Catholicism in that theology. Mm-hmm. They kind of get justification and sanctification mixed up. Um, and we say it's a one-time act declared by God the Father that you and I are not guilty. Yeah. And here's the cool thing about justification. Um, it doesn't matter if you're the weakest believer to ever walk in the face of the earth and the most mature believer. The most mature believer is not more justified than you, than the weakest believer. We are all justified That's the same. That's a really good word. And so it's yeah. like, that's a cool thought. Yeah. It's a, a, a they're, they're in justification, in the declaration of justification that you are not guilty, that you are righteous, um, that Christ's righteousness has been imputed to your account. And now when God sees you, he sees Christ there. There's no degrees in justification. Sanctification, there's different degrees. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between someone that just comes to faith and someone that's been walking in the faith for 50 years. There's a maturity. There's a different degrees of, of glory, as 2 Corinthians 3.18 talks about a little bit. Yeah. We are transformed from one degree of glory to the next. We, we grow. So there's different degrees in sanctification, but in justification, we're all the same, baby. That's really, that's good. From the, the, So the guy that just comes to know the Lord to the guy that's been walking for the Lord, you can't get more justified than being justified, declared at your conversion. Man, that should be really encourage the listeners who maybe struggle with doubts and, Absolutely. and struggle in their fight against sin. You know, keep fighting. Yeah. Keep believing the gospel every day. But, man, you're just as justified as. Yeah. And that's why we say you know, eternal security or persevision of the saints is, again, where we can claim that and with hope because of the declaration that has been declared over us that we are not guilty. Mm-hmm. We, It's not about us. It's about the declaration of God the Father, where sometimes we put our our um, assurance assurance yes okay yes we put our assurance in our sanctification where we should put our assurance in our justification on what christ has done in his righteousness and not on what we do but sometimes we can even get that mixed up and our assurance is now hey oh man i didn't go to church i didn't read my bible i didn't pray this week so god must be mad at me that's why i got in a car accident because god is judging me right now Mm. no yeah no so that's good. That's good. Yeah. So did you is is that all our definitions? I have one more question for you and we can we're gonna wrap it up and land the uh, plane. and then sanctification. Sanctification oh, okay. again is the process of, of you and God working together to grow into the image of Christ through the in the power and the work of the Holy Spirit that indwells you through his word, through community, through one another, um, yep, et cetera. Yep. So that'd be sanctification. So sanctification is progressive. Yes. You do grow in sanctification. Yeah, Smitty and I did a the last podcast episode on Bingo. sanctification. Yeah. Listen so, to that podcast. Yeah. Hopefully if you're listening to this one, you didn't listen to the sanctification one, you can go back and listen to that one. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I think, you know, adoption is again, just us becoming enemies now becoming children of the father. Children, yep. Um, and then glorification will be ultimately where we, uh, where sin will be eradicated and we will receive, um, our glorified bodies and, and be with him forever. See him and we won't explode because we'll have eyeballs that can handle his glory. <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> good booyah. Uh, okay. Aaron. Well, um, we're doing good on time, but just kind of one more question. And then if you have any final thoughts on it, just like, what are, why does this matter? Why do, why do, you know, we, we believe this so strongly that it matters. What are the practical implications? What are the pastoral implications? Yeah, I think for me, again, this is it's a lifelong wrestling, and we don't have all the answers. Um, and it's a it's a constant growing and battling, understanding of what salvation is and and how this all works together with God's sovereignty and our responsibility. There's first, there's a mystery there, and you got you know, Scripture is clear. Um, there's a great verse in um, Deuteronomy that always helps me understand and relate to these doctrine. That's uh, Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine. Oh yeah. Um, that says, um, it says the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that he has revealed belong to us and our uh, children forever that we may do all the words of this law. So there's, there's, there's going to be some things that, that are so clear that we understand that are hey, cut and paste. But 
when we come to, we believe that this is clear, that God is the one who's sovereign in salvation from beginning and again, He began a good work in you, will complete it. He saved us. But there's also some mystery there in how it all works. Mm-hmm. Um, and, we, and we, so a couple things for me personally. Um, one, just a whole bunch of things in the Bible got cleared up for me. Again, when I began with God and, 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 and said like, hey, I'm going to throw out all my, my preconceived notions. I'm going to begin with God and just look what God's Word says and believe God's Word. Mm-hmm. And that cleared up a ton of stuff for me. Um, and some of these difficult things um, when things happened about that, that God is working everything for His glory and He is sovereign in control. And um, so that one, just for me personally, it cleared up a lot of things, such as um, it's not about me and saving people. I can't save people. Mm. My job, my role that I see from Scripture is to um, proclaim the gospel. My job is to proclaim the gospel. And... Um, I can't persuade somebody. I can't, can't argue them uh, into the kingdom. I can't argue them into the kingdom. Yeah. And and so. and you know, before I kind of understood the sovereignty of God and salvation, there'd be nights where I'd be like, Man, did I share the gospel good enough? Oh man, I didn't share the gospel good enough. It's my fault. That person will never come into faith because I didn't share the gospel good enough. It's a lot of weight on you. It's a yeah. lot of weight. It's yeah. a lot of weight. So it's freedom. Yeah. So it freed me up in, in, in some of those, uh, in, in particular in, in sharing the gospel and evangelism. We're called to go and proclaim the gospel. And that's the other thing. This propelled me to evangelize. You know, sometimes you hear the those that believe in the camp of, of Calvinism or whatnot, the frozen chosen. Yeah. Well, God's going to save who he's going to save, so I don't have to go out and evangelize. It's like, no, that's just, that's bad theology. Yeah, that's, that's, that's terrible agreed. because yeah. the Scripture tells us to go out and proclaim the gospel. How good are the feet that bring the good news? And so that actually propelled me to go out because I thought, like, man, there's people out there that God's going to save, and he uses me as his mouthpiece uh, to, to call his sheep to himself. Exactly right. Yeah. And so that propelled me to go out and share the gospel. Yeah. Which and, is what good theology should do. Is, yep. Yeah, propels. And so that's another way that it impacted uh, my life. And so those are, those are a couple ways in which uh, this personally has helped me um, just, just in my walk. Yeah. In my walk. It's kind of, you, you hear a lot of testimonies uh, of like people coming to, Reformed theology, and each of us who has landed there in God's sovereignty and salvation has has had a journey. Yeah, and most of us come, um, you know, as R.C. Sproul said, kicking and screaming. Yep, because um, it's hard, right? Is like this yep. is an emotional one to to um, acknowledge. Yeah. Like, wait, that, and because our our humanness says, well, that's not fair, right? You know, but some of the the, the things for me that helped me just a few. I was, I was thinking of, I had a lot of thoughts. I didn't want to interrupt you, but, um, you know, it would, it's, it's not fair. It would have been fair of God to damn us all. Right. Correct. That's fair to say. Like every human is a sinner. We all agree with that. It would have been fine for him to explode the entire earth when Adam and Eve sinned or, or in the year 1987, when I was born, right. Just damn us all. So, Praise God for his grace that he's right. saved some. And there's mystery there. We don't know why right. that God saved some and others. The other thing I would say, and, and I don't mean it, both of these things to be hurtful or right. hateful to the other side, but for me it was like, okay, I read so clearly as I read through the Bible that God does everything for his own glory. Right. Like every single thing. Yep. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I mean, when you when you're first turned on to the God centeredness of God, it yep. is mind blowing. Yep. And I just can't abide, I, I can't understand biblically how if I were to add even 1% to my salvation, that that doesn't take some from God's glory. Correct. Because if I'm the ultimate decisive factor in my salvation, then I have to say something like, well, I'm just a little bit more humble than my friend who hasn't accepted Jesus, right. or I'm a little bit smarter. Correct. And, and that just, I can't, I can't hang yep. with that. Yep. And then the other thing I would say, and you kind of got to it. And again, I'm not trying to sound like rude here, but as I just, Aaron, as I read the Bible, as I really got into the word over and over every year, I'm reading a yearly plan. And then sometimes I'm diving deep. It's really hard for, it was hard for me to say, I, 
I can't see God's sovereignty in everything, right. even in salvation. Just as I Correct. read the word, I, I think the exegetical argument is behind the the sovereignty of God and salvation. Yeah. The philosophical and the emotional argument can sometimes be more on the Arminian side. Right. But we ultimately the, the philosophy and the emotions cannot dictate what's true and what's false. Correct. And that's where I think you hit the uh, nail on the head. It's like, and that's what I said, when we begin with God and you begin with his glory and his word and you submit to it, it's, it's real tough to come out on a, a different end that, that, that God's sovereign in salvation. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Um, and again, there's mystery there because we do repent and we do believe. Yeah. But again, we do that according to our nature. Yeah. And God must first change our heart first and foremost for us to do that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot more to be talked about, to be, you know, and, and, and the, the beautiful thing about this is, is man, in my many years of being a Christian, I've had so many, so many debates and, uh, in a good way and, and sharpening. And, um, it's, uh, it's a joy to open up God's word together, to reason together, to sharpen one another. And, uh, you know, in the crossing, we have both Arminians and Calvinists mm-hmm. because we don't want to be known as a Calvinistic church or an Arminianist church. We want to be known as a gospel-centered church first and foremost. Yeah, now, the stream that we're going to run in, that we're going to teach in when we come to these passages are going to be, you know, from that more Reformed perspective uh, because we believe that's what the Bible is teaching. Yeah. And so, um, and again, there's hundreds upon hundreds of verses that we would stand on. Yeah, Totally. So for the listeners, uh, if you're if you're really wrestling with this, if this is um, rattling to you in any way, I just encourage you to reach out to Aaron or one of our pastors and just wrestle with this. Uh, Absolutely, you can talk to the to the intern too. But um, yeah, go to go to one of the pastors if you, if you're listening and you, you don't go to the crossing and you just want to encourage you to reach out to one of your pastors or someone in your church. And um, the the bottom line too of this for, for me is is um, Praise God. I mean, right. I'm not just trying to give a Sunday school answer, but yeah. it's not so I can be right and win a theological argument. You neither, Aaron. It's, it's right. praise God. Praise God for salvation. All all good, true theology should lead to doxology. Yep. Amen. You got any final words, A.A., Ron? No, man. All right. Well, Here thanks comes for being Easter. On. Let's just yeah. get ready to worship the King of Kings, the yeah. one that resur- for, raised, <clears throat> was raised from the dead so that we might have life. Amen. Yep. Thanks for listening to another episode of CrossCast. God bless you all. Bye-bye. <laughs>